Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. We are going to talk about exempt status. And for many of you, this might be a mystery. The concept of exempt status, of course, relates to wage hour law, uh, whether you're in California or any other state. Both federal law and California law dictate which employees can be classified as exempt. Now, one of the things you want to remember straight out is that employees are presumed to be non-exempt. And what that means is they are presumed to be entitled to overtime, rest breaks, meal periods, reporting time pay, etc. Anything a non-exempt employee is entitled to in terms of being paid for every hour they work, taking those rest breaks and meal periods, getting paid for overtime as applicable, that is what we're talking about with non-exempt employees. So everyone in the world is presumed to be non-exempt. And it is the employer's burden to prove that they are actually exempt from those rules. Overtime, rest breaks, meal periods, being paid for every hour worked. So for obvious reasons, employers would like everyone to be classified as exempt, right? That way we don't have to worry about when they start work, when they end work, whether they get a break. We never have to pay them overtime. We don't care if they work 24 hours in a day. It's all legal. The problem is it is very difficult to meet the tests for exempt status. Now, in California, it's particularly challenging, but it's also difficult under federal law, the Federal Fair Labor Standards Act, and other states like Washington, Oregon, Hawaii, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, they all have their own rules about which employees can be classified as exempt. In California, the most common way for an employee to be exempt is under what's called one of the professional exemptions. And those are for administrative executive, and what we call professional employees. Now, I'll talk about those all in a minute. In California, most employees are exempt under what's called the white-collar exemptions. And those are for employees who are exempt as administrative, executive, or what we call professional employees, okay? Now, obviously, everyone's a professional employee, right? So there are specific requirements for each of these exemptions, the administrative, the executive, and the professional. Now, one of the things you want to keep in mind right off the bat is that there are two elements that must be satisfied for the white-collar exemptions. There is a duties test and a salary test. The duties test relates to the functions and the duties they perform in your organization. So if we're talking about the administrative exemption, they must be doing administrative work, not the work of the business. So in other words, HR, quality control, payroll, health and safety, janitorial, okay? So if I'm a law firm, none of those things are my actual business. My actual business is being a lawyer, right? Providing legal services to our clients. But when you talk about the exemption for the administrative exemption, 
They've got to be doing an administrative function, no manual work. They have to be actually performing office work that is related to how the business functions. The professional exemption applies if your employees are licensed, licensed by the state of California, for example, as an engineer, as a lawyer, as a teacher, as an accountant. And also if they have an advanced field of study and they are providing uh, services in that field. So it might be someone who's a geologist who has a four-year degree. They got a bachelor's of science in geology and they're working in geology. They may be professionally exempt. And then we have the executive exemption, which is where the individual supervises two or more full-time employees or full-time equivalents. They hire, they fire, they give performance management, they schedule, they do all of that. So a lot of times you may go to Starbucks, for example, you see an assistant manager who is your barista. They're non-exempt because to be exempt, they have to supervise two or more employees on a full-time basis, or as I said, part-time equivalents. They can't be doing the work of the business. So under the white collar exemptions, the duties test is one component. The salary test is the other. And in California, exempt employees must be paid two times the state's minimum wage for full-time work, which is considered 2,080 hours a year. So right now it's 1550 is the minimum wage, regardless of the size of your business, times two, okay, because it's two times the state's minimum wage, times 2,080. So the minimum salary for an exempt white collar employee in California is $64,480. If you pay them 58,000, I don't care if they run the universe, they are non-exempt because they have to meet the duties test and the salary test. Also remember that when we're talking about the salary test, it is a fixed salary, not subject to variation based on the quantity or the quality of the work. In other words, commissions do not count. This is a fixed salary they get on every payday, regardless of how much they've worked and regardless of the quality of their work. Now, Obviously, if somebody is out for a full day or more, right, to pursue their own interests, they're going to take vacation. You don't have to pay them their salary. Although in essence, when you're dealing with an exempt employee, vacation, holidays, sick time, they're all paid at their salary, right? They're not getting more than their salary. So if somebody wanted to take an unpaid day off and they didn't have any accrued time on the books, for example, you could dock their pay but only for a full day, unless they're taking a partial day because of FMLA, the Family and Medical Leave Act. So if they have intermittent leave or reduced schedule uh, time off because of the FMLA, they're only gonna work four hours a day, you can reduce their pay by four hours. Otherwise, your exempt employees must be paid a fixed salary that is not subject to variation based on the quantity or the quality of the work. Now, there are other ways for employees to be exempt besides the white collar exemptions. For example, certain high level computer professionals who make over $110,000 a year may be exempt, even though they're doing the work of the business, right? They're gamers, they're um, designing software. 
You may have folks who are inside sales employees who are being paid commissions. Under certain circumstances, they can be exempt. Outside sales folks who are outside of the office at least 50% of the time selling. Okay, that's not a mortgage broker who's talking to folks about different loans. We're talking about they're selling a product. Think about door-to-door uh, -door sales folks for vacuums or Encyclopedia Britannica. That's what we're talking about. Okay, now what you need to understand is both under federal law and California, but particularly in California, the consequences for misclassifying an employee as exempt are significant. So you're going to face claims under the Private Attorneys General Act here in California, which is a certain amount of a penalty per employee per pay period. Then you're going to have wage statement penalties. You might have missed overtime. You might have um, rest and meal period premiums because you didn't give them rest breaks and meal periods because you thought they were exempt. So if you're looking at minimizing your risk in this area, you have to carefully analyze each of your employees, make sure they are in fact meeting the required tests to be exempt. Otherwise, you are taking a huge risk. So I know when I talk to clients and they say to me, oh, all of our employees are exempt. Hmm, really? The person who answers the phone, the person who makes photocopies, not going to fly, right? Very important jobs. By the way, being exempt doesn't mean you're important or you're more important than your non-exempt employees, right? It has nothing to do with how long you've worked somewhere or the value you bring to the organization. We are strictly looking at, are they meeting the tests to be exempt? Because remember, they are presumed under the law to be non-exempt. Now, what some clients ask us is, well, Jen, to hedge my bets, even though I treat them as exempt, should I make them keep time cards and take rest breaks and meal periods just in case somebody challenges uh, their status down the road? No, we don't think you should do that. Because once you treat somebody who you are classified as exempt, as a non-exempt employee, you want them to record their time. You want them to take rest breaks and meal periods. You're pretty much making the argument for them that they're not exempt. So the only way to protect yourself here is to undertake a thorough analysis of the duties of each position. And let me be clear, the actual duties, not what you wish the employee were doing, not what you hoped they would do, what they are actually doing. And of course, with respect to the salary test, which is sometimes referred to as the salary basis test, you've got to make sure that as California's minimum wage goes up, you are increasing that minimum salary, right? Because remember, it's two times the applicable state minimum wage times 2,080 hours. So as that minimum wage goes up, you have to think about what you were doing in terms of increasing that salary. So we are going to schedule a webinar, a one-hour webinar on wage hour issues for a little bit later this year. It'll probably be in July because I want you all to understand the critical importance of getting these wage hour issues correct. You face huge class actions, PAGA actions, mediations where you have to write a big check because you made a boo-boo. 
There's no way around it. I like to tell people, wage and hour compliance is like baking. If it says a quarter of a teaspoon of baking soda, that's how much you have to put in. You can't just give it a shake. You want your cake to be appropriately tall and fluffy. You want your muffins to be moist. You got to measure. Now, cooking, on the other hand, you open up the refrigerator, you see what's in there, and you put it together. That's much less precise. Just as yummy, by the way, but much less precise. Baking is precise, just like wage hour compliance. So you can't be partially right when it comes to wage hour. You've either done it right or you haven't. One of the things we do a lot for our clients are audits, wage hour audits. Sometimes we'll do a mini audit, which is a wage statement audit, where we just look at your wage statement issues, make sure you've done what you need to do on your wage statement. Because remember, for each wage statement that you get wrong, it's up to a $4,000 penalty per employee for a four-year period, potentially. So you have a lot of turnover and a lot of employees. You've got a huge bill to pay. So I want you to keep in mind that employees are presumed to be non-exempt. If you have a doubt and you're not willing to take significant risk, do not classify them as exempt. And if you've done it incorrectly, we can help you figure out how to communicate a reclassification. It's important, right? Because you don't want to ring the bell. You don't want everyone to go, well, wait a minute. Now you're making me non-exempt. Now I'm paid by the hour. Well, how come I didn't get this before? And a lot of times people associate a lack of respect which, with that transition. I used to be a salaried employee, trusted to do my work. Now you're going to make me clock in on a time clock. Now, the truth is they may make more money as a non-exempt employee because they get overtime, right? But that's not how people think of it. So your communication strategy when you do a reclassification is really important. So everyone, take a look at your employees. Look at your roster. How are they classified? What exemption might they fall under? And if you have a doubt, call your favorite employment lawyer. You need to figure it out. You need to make sure you've got this right. And if you decide not to reclass someone who is probably misclassified, you got to know your risks and you got to make sure the business knows the risks. All right. Thank you all for joining me here today. Keep up the good work. Enjoy the sunshine and I'll be with you next time. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction.